Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of the Dead End Sports Podcast. We like to call this the best couple of hours of your sports week. Thank you for tuning in to the place where sports opinions collide. I am your host, 12 Kyle. Joining me as always are my homies. First up, my man, Beezy, 430. Beezy, what up, though? What up, though? What's up? What's up, Kyle? What's up, Chilling, man. What's good? What's good? Chilling? Still waiting for my... Waiting for my dad to give me the verdict on this Detroit movie, man. Waiting for him to see it first before I go check it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, the, the previews look crazy. Also joining us, man, is the homie Ken. Ken, what's up, man? Chilling, man. Chilling. Just uh, hanging tough. True indeed. True indeed. And also joining us, uh, at least for the first segment, is the homie Q, the six-man Q. What up, man? What's up, y'all? Just like Ken, hanging in there, man. <laughs> No doubt, no doubt. And also joining us, man, you know him, you love him, our boy FIFO. FIFO, what's up, man? Yo, what it do, what it do? Chilling, 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 man. We got a lot of stuff to talk about, not a lot of time to get it covered. Uh, Let's take it to the NFL, man. Uh, Coming down last week since we last spoke, uh, Roger Goodell in the NFL hands down a six-game suspension to Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, as many of you know, this investigation has been going on for the better part of a year now. Uh, Elliot was suspended due to uh, what is violation of the personal conduct um, involving domestic violence. Uh, now, there we all know that there was a baseline set of six games uh, based on what the NFL deemed anybody that was uh, you know involved with domestic violence after the Ray Rice case. But leading up to this suspension, we didn't know because Ezekiel Elliott had a few infractions, none of which he was committed or excuse me, uh, convicted criminally for, including this alleged uh, domestic violence against his uh, then girlfriend uh, in 2016. But here we are. Roger Goodell lays down the hammer six games. B, I'll start with you. Were you surprised that Ezekiel Elliott was suspended for six games? Uh no, I wasn't surprised. It's off the simple fact that Goodell gave Golden Boy Brady four games. Um, so if you want to try to still make that example, hey, look, I gave Brady four games last year, so I'm a I'm a I'm a hammer uh, Zeke six games this year. Um, do I think it was too much? Uh, yeah, I, six games is too much, man. I mean, especially now with this accuser coming out. Saying that she was gonna like pretty much set it like ruin his career because he like I guess broke up with her or, or you know done with her and now she got this nerve to say oh well I'm white they're not gonna believe they're gonna believe me more than <laughs> believe you like, so like after all that stuff I'm like man I'm I'm <laughs> now I'm kind of like rooting for Zeke like because I, I they, they I, I saw something where he's gonna appeal to six game suspension yeah he is he is so like now I'm rooting that he don't get suspended especially if the chick like if this was a plot. To to bring him down like this, and ever, I hope he, I hope he, I hope he, I hope he gets this appeal and 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 either if anything, you know, knock down a suspension to like about maybe two or three games or whatever, because you know me as a fantasy football player, you know, he ain't coming back to week eight. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he won't be back to week eight. And if I and if I'm gonna take a chance and draft this dude, you know that's gonna hurt. So so from a fantasy standpoint. I hope he does get a short, a, a, a shorter suspension. Priorities. It's, I know, right? Yeah, you you hear him, Ken. <laughs> especially, if the, especially if the chick, you know, if this was her, you know, plot to set him up because she's using her white privilege because they're going to believe her more than they're going to believe him. So, 
Hey man. Hey Zeke. I, hey, I'm rooting for you, bro. I hope you. I hope you get this. Uh, this suspension done. You know, peel it back some. But yeah, to answer your question though, yeah, I, I wasn't surprised. Like, like oh my god, it was just like okay, yeah, he gave Brady four games, and if he can give Brady four games, you know, the Golden Boy, then yeah, hey, it's it ain't, I ain't gonna how it's gonna look for us brothers. So that wasn't surprising. But was it too much? Yes, it was too much. Okay, okay. What about you, FIFO? Like I said, six games. Uh, coming down from Roger Goodell, we had heard, uh, you know, Dallas's owner, Jerry Jones, just as late as last week, say that the NFL didn't have, quote unquote, anything on Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, so when you heard the news of him getting six games, uh, were you surprised that it was that many games? And, and do you think it was uh, too much, just right or, or not enough? Way too much. Way too much. Like B said, B made a great point. I didn't even think about Tom Brady like that. But, um, yeah, if, 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 if the Golden Boy got four games, you damn right that the brother is going to get a little bit more. But it mm-hmm. was definitely way too much. Because do we know any details? Just like last time, Roger Goodell, or just every time, Roger Goodell always comes down hard, and then stuff comes out and it makes him look bad. So, you know, is it out of his character? No. You know, Roger Goodell has always come down hard. That, that's, that's pretty much been his, his era of being the commissioner of the NFL. So I get it, but it was way too much, man. And, and B's 100% right with the fantasy football. Forget that. Just real football. This guy is, t- is, is really a top three running back in the league right now after year one. You know what I'm saying? Like the eye test, we know what it is. The man can catch, run, block, do it all. And he has an, a, a marvelous offensive line. They're going to miss that. Yeah, I think they still have enough talent, but they're going to miss that. And I, it, it's too much. I think three or four games would have been more fair. Okay, okay, okay. What about you, Ken? Um, Ezekiel Elliott, man. Uh, again, the, the word comes down uh, six games. I think a lot of it, it, you know, it caught a lot of people by surprise. What were your initial thoughts? Were you surprised that he was suspended for six games? And do you think it was too much, not enough, or just right? I think my first reaction was um, definitely shock. Uh, you know, you knew something was going to happen because they have been investigating this for quite some time. And to see that he got six games, which, to be fair to the NFL, that is the domestic abuse policy. Right. Um, it is a minimum of six games. So that's a, the number of games is right in line with what they have laid out. Um, the issue that I have with the suspension is that I believe it sets a dangerous precedence for the future of the NFL and future for and especially the players, because we all know that I think everybody's quoting article 46 gives Goodell the power to do this. Anytime your conduct is detrimental to the shield, to the organization, he has a right to come down on you and punish you for that. Um, the issue that I have and be kind of touched on it is that, you know, it, it, it's like, who do you believe? Right. Mm-hmm. Is, do you want to believe uh, Ezekiel Elliott or the alleged victim in this case? And if Zeke is indeed guilty and we've seen pictures, TMZ published the pictures, um, we've read what the NFL stated but, you know, it's like if if he is indeed guilty, of course, he does. He needs to be punished for it. 
because that's inexcusable what he did. The problem that I have in this is that one, the police department dropped the investigation and two, the things that she said. We understand and know that her making a comment that I'm a white girl, you a black athlete, who are they going to believe is is scary. We know that historically white women have used that against black men and it has never ended well for black men, especially in times where we were not as protected as we are today in the world. Well, as we would like to believe that we are today in the world. So like B said, she jumped on her white privilege and tried to use that, that to threaten this, this brother to stay with her or invite her to the birthday party to say something like that is a problem for me. And I think that for him to go out and suspend him for not even a conviction by law, but their own investigation is entirely problematic because now they are the judge, jury and executioner. Her stating what she said is extremely dangerous and is something that cannot be ignored. Now, again, I want to say this. If this brother is indeed found guilty, give him what he deserves because that type of abuse cannot be tolerated. But her making these threatening statements to him is, is dangerous and it's something that we should not overlook. So for me, I would feel way more comfortable if Zeke, what Ezekiel Elliott was found guilty by the court of law. Oh, no doubt. Great points, Ken. Um, and I want to give my two cents and then I'll throw it to Q. Um, I was really surprised, not shocked, but I was really surprised that he got, because I figured that he probably would get two games, right? Because leading up to this, we had heard some rumblings about, you know, the, the domestic thing, but primarily, you know, if you listen in, if you listen to, you know, some of the experts and people like Adam Schefter and stuff like that, what was the issues were the, the off the field things like the thing that happened at St. Patrick's Day, you know, all of this stuff and the culmination of a possible uh, domestic you know, situation. But, you know, we didn't know what the NFL knew. Right. So I didn't think that, you know, the domestic case was actually in play here when they said six games. Like you said, Ken, I know that the NFL has established that six games is the baseline for what you will be suspended for for a domestic violence abuse case, uh, which is weird because the New York Giants kicker, Josh Brown, uh, whose wife admitted that he, you know, or excuse me, ex-wife admitted that he beat her, was only suspended for a game. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 um, oh, Ken, you're funny, man. Um, so, so anyway, as he makes me lose my train of thought, so Josh Brown gets a game. So I agree with Ken. I'm in the middle here because, um, I think that you're asking me to trust the NFL and Roger Goodell, which I have a hard problem doing because they haven't gotten any of these things right. 
you know, we saw Tom Brady get four games for deflated footballs that, you know, in a game that he ended up, you know, he, he and his teammates ended up blowing the team out. So, you know, and that played out for over a year. And with, you know, Ezekiel Elliott's appeal, this could play out. This, it, we could be looking at a situation where he may not even have to serve a suspension until next season. So we'll see how this plays out. Um, but I, I have a hard time believing Roger Goodell in the NFL. But I will say this much. If Ezekiel Elliott is guilty of what is being charged of him in the, uh, you know, in the documents, and I read the documents, then he's lucky that he got six games because he really should have been suspended for a year. If those documents, if the, the, the information that's in those documents are true, he should be suspended for a year, hands down. Um, but in saying that as well, what's problematic is that we know that the, his accuser admittedly did lie about some things, but the NFL seemed to take you know issue with they knew that they acknowledged the fact that she lied, but then they also said, okay, well, we'll take into consideration what we think that you are telling the truth. Um, so I don't ever want to blame a victim. If and and the last point I'll make is that Ezekiel Elliott now is saying that he's going to defend himself, you know, as far as his representation, and he's going to you know provide evidence of these texts. Where was it? Where was this stuff before? Ezekiel Elliott met with Roger Goodell two months ago. So if you had this information and you did not present it to Roger Goodell then, why do it now? Because of the way that the CBA is set up, Roger Goodell will actually hear the appeal, or at least at the very least, he will appoint an independent arbiter to hear the appeal. So there's a very strong possibility that this six game suspension isn't going anywhere. It's not going to be reduced. So my question to Ezekiel Elliott is if you have information that could have, you know, cleared your name, if you will, you know, when you spoke with Roger Goodell or sat with Roger Goodell, you should have presented it then. And lastly, you know, from what I'm told and from what I read and, and the NFL has not published most of this information, but the little bit that they have, his responses really didn't make a lot of sense. You know, you're living with your live in girlfriend and she's got these bumps and bruises on her. You say, well, maybe she fell down the steps. Really, bro? Come on, man. She, you know, come on, come on. You you got to be a little bit smarter than that. So I am, I'm, I'm kind of in the middle as to whether, I, I was definitely surprised. I'm in the middle as to whether or not it was enough or not. I think if he is, you know, if he's guilty of this, and, and to be honest, we'll, we'll probably never know. But if he's guilty of this, then, you know, he should have gotten more. And, you know, to, to follow up to Ken's point, I don't think that the I, I, I wouldn't have expected him to get charged in Columbus where he is a folk hero, you know, on a domestic charge. I, I think the cops were going to do everything they could to look the other way. That's what a lot of cops do in college towns. It just it is what it is. We saw the same thing happen with Jameis Winston, although a different circumstance in Tallahassee with his situation, his case when he was in college. So I don't. I, so. The, if if these documents that the NFL released are true, at the very least, criminally, he should be in jail. And NFL-wise, he should be suspended for a year. I just I know that the truth is in there somewhere. I don't know exactly where it is. Q, what about you, man? Were you surprised at it, and do you think it's enough or too much? Um, it's interesting because 
let me let me let me just qualify what my statement is gonna be. Number one, Ezekiel Elliott to me doesn't have much credibility as a as as a person, okay, as a human being, as a man. He doesn't deserve the benefit of the doubt in my eyes. Now, I don't know this accuser. I don't know her background. I don't know anything about her other than what the statements uh, read from those documents. And from what I've read, if what she's saying is true, you're Kyle, you're 100% right. He's lucky he's not gone for the entire year. He's lucky he's not, you know, facing charges. You know, he's lucky, he's lucky he's not hiring a, a like a lawyer to go to the court right right now. But do I think it was enough? Do I think it was excessive? I think that the NFL gave this power to Roger Goodell, and you have to live with what you've done. Jerry Jones is one of the owners that said, I'm, o- I'm okay with the commissioner saying being judge, jury, and executioner. The only team, the only locker room that did not sign on for that was the Pittsburgh Steelers and Ryan Clark. So as an owner, Jerry Jones and the players, they, they have to eat this. I think Roger Goodell, ever since the Ray Rice incident, is definitely uh, being excessive in a lot of the punishments for players because he believes that, and he knows actually, that he messed up with the handling of that case because right. we all know how, how that uh, played out where he kind of, kind of brush it to the side, but then when the video came out, he would have looked like criminally inept if he didn't act, so we had to, you know, suspend him for, for the year, and we all know that case. But I think he's basically overcompensating for that case in many of his decisions, including the Brady thing, including um, the Martavis Bryant handling, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, speaking directly to Ezekiel Elliott's case, I believe that Ezekiel Elliott was handled the way that owners uh, voted for it to handle. Six games is the minimum. When you give all the power to Roger Goodell, this is what happens. So I'm not really here for all, you know, Jerry Jones, you know, you know, uh, tears about how, oh, this is unfair and this is not the way things should happen. You voted for this power to be given to Roger Goodell. I, I can't, myself say if Ezekiel is guilty, I can't say if that girl is lying. Because mm-hmm. too many times in, in this sport of football do men particularly act as if the women who accuse athletes in any sport of anything, oh, they're lying for money. They're lying for, 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 for money. Every time uh, someone comes out against an athlete, it's automatically ingrained. Like the first reaction a lot of men give is she's lying. Even outside of sports, but that's a whole other conversation. Directly within sports, we immediately think that, oh, she has to be lying because she wants to get a payday. I don't know, and none of us know. All I do know is that this power was given to Roger Goodell in six games is the minimum for what you have found. Now, we all know that Ben Roethlisberger, during his case, uh, we kind of know what happened there. But he avoided charges because now you have a non-disclosure agreement with somebody. You slide a couple of dollars across the table, and then you take a four-game suspension. That's what happens. So we don't know what's going on behind the closed doors of these offices. We don't know if deals are being made. We don't know what uh, Jerry Jones has had meetings with Goodell. We don't even know 
if the text messages have all come out yet, and I don't think they have. So this story is still unfolding. I'm not going to say it's wrong or right. I'm going to say that NFL owners and NFL teams signed up for this to be able to happen. That's my stance. They, they allowed this to happen by allowing Roger Goodell to be judged during execution. Plain and simple. But isn't it's that great. a cop-out, though? I don't think it's the cop out, man. I really think that you get what you get what you sign up for. Like if you're if you're an NFL owner, if you're Jerry Jones, if you're Robert Kraft, the two uh, franchises that have recently been stung by Goodell, I think you have to look at yourself and say, "Oh, I messed up. This might be on me." Instead of looking at the guy who you gave the power to, you don't give you know a monkey an AK forty 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 seven and then get upset when it shoots you. Like, that's what happens. Like, what do you expect to happen? Roger Goodell was given this power. The only team that said no, once again, was Pittsburgh. Ryan Clark stood up adamantly and said, yeah, um, I'm not really feeling this Article 47, of 46. I don't understand how you can pass judgment and then control the entire investigation. That doesn't make sense. But everyone else said, yeah, that makes sense. Jerry Jones said that. Robert Kraft said that. But now when it happens to you, it's, oh, this is a complete mis- uh, miscarriage of justice. Um, you signed that over to him. You've already put your name on the dotted line. The deal is done. So now when you get six games for a he said, she, she said, you think that Goodell is not going to look into the past of a player? You think that that's unfair? Yeah, probably. But you sign that over to him when you say that, yes, you can be judged or executioner. They're going to look at Mardi Gras. They're, they're going to look at speeding tickets. They're going to look at that. And, yes, it's unfair, but uh, stuff happens. <laughs> like, like it's, really, it's really that simple for, for me, you know? It's, it's just crazy to me that um, I, I, I just would have loved for this to have been, been solved. Because, it, you know, we're, we're subject to so much speculation and the NFL, they're, they're hedging, right? Because they have information that they're withholding, um, like a joker, like a big joker or something. Like they're waiting for it. Because they, you obviously, I, I, I believe that they knew that Zeke was going to appeal and they leaked out or put out what they wanted people to know. And yeah, reading it, um, is disturbing, and again, he should be gone like a year, six months, eight, I mean, six weeks, eight weeks, or whatever, but we're essentially saying, or the NFL is essentially saying, is that you are guilty of domestic violence, and we don't have, through their own investigation now, we don't have anything outside of that. And to me, for an NFL organization to have that much power is scary to me, especially when you have a woman out there who is who said the things that she said. That scares me a lot. That she threatened to ruin his career. Imagine, think of look look at it this way: if she gets, a, I don't want to say get away with that because. Um, Ezekiel Elliott could very well be guilty. Um, But say, for instance, he isn't, and he's proven himself innocent weeks or a month from now. 
and he's suspended, losing, I think he loses a paycheck. Imagine what could come out of this um, when it comes to others. So that's why, like, with you know, it's it's just, I don't know, man, I just don't like it. It just doesn't feel quite right for me. But again, it's one of those situations where damn if you do, damn if you don't. Because you have something as horrible as domestic violence on one end, which nobody should condone. And then you have this other situation where she said all of the things that she said. What she could have said in response to him whooping her ass. So, But without any legal, without a legal verdict issued against him, to me, this bothers me. And then people are saying, well, maybe Zika learn a lesson from this. Look, man, I know that I have kids, and it takes a while for them to get that message. <laughs> I just feel like it is intellectually dishonest to say that people's past transgressions don't factor into decisions. As much as we like to act like even our court system in, in the United States is completely perfect. We only try people for what happens in you know one instance. They people introduce evidence from past transgressions all the time in court. Like like you know like for example another uh, sports player when the whole OJ thing popped off, what did they say about his past? Well, we had to call you know police on him for alleged domestic violence. Couple years prior to the murder, so oh man, OJ, OJ, it was well documented that he was whipping her ass. Exactly. So here's the thing: is that Ezekiel Elliott, who has this, you know, this, he's no angel. We all know this. No, and nobody's perfect. I'm not saying that you have to be perfect, but in Roger Goodell's eyes, from what I'm seeing of his thought process, is if he's done all this and judging on how I botched the Ray Rice investigation, I have to come out and come down hard with an iron fist to make it look like I have control over my league. Otherwise, if I botch another domestic violence thing while the whole Josh Brown is uh, thing happened, oh my God. I'll be a complete joke, even though he already is to us. <laughs> but right. he will be a complete joke to owners, and he'll be a complete joke to you know his sponsors and the corporations that, you know, uh, are in bed with the NFL. So he has to come down hard because he's kind of just playing it safe to be like, oh, if I'm wrong, who cares? That means it, it'll look good on me to all the groups for battered, you know, survivors and all, and all that stuff. But if I'm, if, if I'm right, I still look good. So it, it, he's kind of playing both sides here, trying to cover his tracks. It's, it's, Ken, you're 100% right. It's not fair because that's not how it should go. But when you sign that name and you sign off and say, yes, this is what you should be able to do, you can't really dictate terms on how someone governs over you when you relinquish all your power. Good point. Good point. Speaking of the NFL, let's move on. Uh, We have uh, uh, we're one weekend to the NFL NFL preseason and uh, already protesting. Uh, we didn't see this coming, or at least maybe we did. Maybe we did see it coming. Uh, this past weekend, Marshawn Lynch and Michael Bennett both sat during the national anthem. Um, FIFA, I'll start with you, man. Were you surprised that these cats sat? And uh, do you think there will be any rup- rup- repercussions? Keep trying to get that out. Repercussions for them sitting. 
Um, there shouldn't be. There shouldn't be. Like, look, man, we look, look, look. Uh, we see who is in the presidency right now, mm-hmm. and the type of crazy stuff he's saying, and the type of stuff that's happening this year. Did it happen last year? Last year we had Obama. Last year we had Colin Kaepernick. This year, look, man, look, look. Just look right outside your window. Turn on CNN. You see the reason why people feel the need to stand up. I think it's as simple as that. It's as simple right. as that. And if you can't understand that on being a decent human being, then you're on that other side that Donald Trump's talking about. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like, come on, man. Come on, man. It, to me, this is this is so simple. I think any owner that takes a stance of reprimanding their player for making a political stance, I, I have so many bad names I can say right now, but I don't. I'm, I'm not gonna say it because we try to keep a PG-13 episode. But yeah, man, <laughs> like, like yo, yo, this, this is it's simple. It's simple. Let the people make political statements, man. Let because because it's for real. And, 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 and man, this right here feels like it's the 40s, 50s, and 60s, don't it? Like like this, this feels like we don't turn back the hands of time. So no, man, we, we, nobody should have any type of issue. No doubt, no doubt. What about you, uh, B? Um, again, Lynch, Bennett, two very outspoken guys, man. Were you surprised they sat? And do you think there'll be any repercussions? No, I don't think it will. I mean, I, I think NFL is already, they feel so grown and tired of the whole Colin Kaepernick and what and all the attention that he sprung on, the, on especially in the U.S. over this last year. Um, you know, the NFL seen this type of stuff behavior from Marshawn Lynch with the whole media thing and nothing's really happened from that you know just him you know I'm just making sure I won't get fined and all that stuff they, they used to his antics and I mean they used to Bennett for being a, a really outspoken NFL player too so I don't know I don't I don't see nothing really happening any repercussions happening from these guys um like people said I mean look look who's up in front office right now <laughs> right now look 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 what the things that he's you know kind of I guess promoting, I guess, or saying it's okay to do. Hell, look what he just talked about today. If y'all watch this press conference today, I mean, so no, I don't think it should be no repercussions, man. I mean, but you never know. The NFL is always they protect that shield. They they don't want you speaking. Hell, just think of what uh, Hugh Jackson just said today. Yeah, you we'll know? talk about that in just a second. Yeah, this is like so. You know, no, I don't think it should be no repercussions, man, from them guys, man. They they they. They mean well. They, we know that we got their back in the black community. No doubt. No doubt. What about you, uh, Q? Um, Marshawn Lynch and Michael Bennett, man. Your thoughts on them? Um, I'm, I'm incredibly proud of people who take a stand. Uh, I was in Charlottesville, for everyone who doesn't know. So I've seen what happened. And it's... It's it's uh it's 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 very jarring. Um, so, I my message to people who are offended by people taking a, a stand, I just want to ask them where are they when people are on on the ground, literally putting their bodies, putting their livelihoods, putting their life on on the line to stand up against people who hate people simply for their nationality, their skin color, their religion, their sexual orientation. And just their way of life. Where are they? They're nowhere. They're quiet. 
So you're upset that the people take, uh, taking a stand by sitting during an anthem in which we're supposed to feel proud of a country. How can you feel proud of a country that allows states to have um, comm- commemorations and you know memorials to people who are slave owners, rapists, you know, racists? How can you feel proud of that? That's what Michael Bennett and Marshawn Lynch are sitting for. That's why they're doing this. So I ask those people who are upset and I ask them to really look into the mirror and I think they'll find the answer very quickly as to why they're upset. And I think they know that the answer is because it challenges their way of life, their education, the way that they've been raised, and it shatters their picture-perfect view of what America is for them in a privileged position and it makes them uncomfortable when the marginalized finally voice their grievances and they finally stand up for the oppression that they felt the moment that they realized that they are a marginalized group in America and abroad too. So that's, that's simply my stance. I'm very proud of those brothers. What about you, Ken? Yeah, I think what they're going to do is they're going to, um, they're going to, they're not going to show the national anthem on TV. Anymore. <laughs> you know, I, I think that that's what's, what's going to happen um, because they they're not they won't be able to stop it. If you change the rule, that's going to look bad. So I think they'll just cut it out. Um, but I think after the events in, in Charlottesville, after America had a chance to uh, look in the mirror at, at itself, um, they can no longer deny what this country is. And what it has been to to people of color um, in this country and, and to other races in this country. Um, it's Colin Kaepernick stood for this last year. He tried to tell you. <clears throat> Black folks, we've been trying to tell you for quite some time, too. But it took the events of Charlottesville for some of you to realize that, oh, wait a minute, this is real. And they was they they were not just marching for against black people like it it, it was it was blacks it was Jews it was Mexicans it was it it was just anything that wasn't white that was their issue and um, Colin was speaking up for his people Baldwin is going is not not Baldwin but Bennett. Um, did it because of what happened in Charlottesville. And you have to respect that. Bennett is protesting just like the protesters were in Charlottesville against the white nationalists. They're just doing it in a different way. But it's all the same thing. So I I was definitely very, very proud because Colin has been bounced up and down the media and destroyed and dragged through the mud throughout for a whole damn year. Look, I don't know about Marshawn Lynch. I'm proud of Marshawn Lynch too, but we, we won't ever know the answer, but I we all kind of know. But I know one thing, Jack Del Rio scared of him. He ain't going to try to find out. <laughs> and and you know what? Has, many, has anybody tried to find out? Nope. It's been a dead issue. Who are they talking to? They're talking to Bennett. They're talking to ball. Yeah, because you're not getting nothing out of uh, Marshawn. Man, nobody walked up to Marshawn and asked him a damn thing. The word <laughs> was was that Jack Del Rio said, and Jack Del Rio is the Raiders head coach, 
He said that he asked Marshawn after the game about it. Marshawn said, it, you know, he's he sat for the national anthem for most of his 11 year career. Now, there were some pictures and videos of games where he did stand and there were pictures and videos of games where he sat. And, um, you know, Del Rio said, you know, just so you know, you know, I'm I'm all for standing for the anthem. He's like, but I'm going to respect you as a man and respect your wishes and your decision. Now, my thing is this. If you're Jack Del Rio, and this goes to your point, Ken, if you're Jack Del Rio, someone who was extremely outspoken about what Colin Kaepernick was doing last year, why won't you say something to Marshawn Lynch, who is on your team? You know why? Because he's scared. Ken, you touched on something that I'd said late last year, and I don't know why it didn't, you know, dawn on TV and, and, and you know, executives or what have you, but we saw the national anthem damn near before every game. And and other than right after the 9-11, I don't ever remember seeing the national anthem being played before a game started on every single game. So if the if you show if if it's televised, then you're going to see players who were taking a knee or take or taking a stand or sitting down or with or you know with the black fist raised in the air, whatever the case may be, or, or players just standing up. Um, and obviously, it's their right to broadcast it if they choose to. But, you know, my thing was, if you didn't want to see it and you knew players were doing it last year, why not tell why Why televise it? Because it's, it's only like a two minute window that you can you can throw a commercial in there if you want. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, was I surprised? No, I wasn't surprised at all. Um, these guys, like I said, have, have been very outspoken. And again, a guy like Marshawn Lynch, good luck running up on him trying to get an answer about anything let alone him answering you about why he chose to sit. Uh, obviously, his employers didn't have any problem with it. So you're not going to get I mean, Marshawn doesn't talk to the media anyway. So you you can only speculate with what he the, his reasoning behind it. Uh, I'm just very sure that not too many reporters are going to run up on him and ask him why. Now, conversely, um, we got some commentary from Cleveland Browns head coach Hugh Jackson and former uh, NFL tight end, uh, formerly of the uh, Green Bay Packers, Jermichael Finley. Uh, Hugh Jackson made headlines when he said that, you know, while he he said he didn't want his players protesting. He said he understood why players would protest, he said, but he didn't want his players to protest. Uh, Jermichael Finley took it a step further and said that the players like Colin Kaepernick and um, Malcolm Jenkins of the Eagles that these players were "quote unquote" looking for publicity. Um, Q, man, what, what's your thoughts on these uh, two guys who seem to be in the sunken place? Um, Hugh Jackson and Jermichael Philly, man, both tripping. Uh, if you really want to get, get like feel my full energy on this, just listen to what Shannon Sharp said this morning on yes. Undisputed. Yes, yes, yes. but um, but to be very frank, be very to, to the point, I think they're both being incredibly dense. I think Jermichael Finley was incredibly ignorant in his tweet. And I think Hugh Jackson, it, to say, I understand. No, you don't understand. Because if you do understand, you would support it fully. And you would say that if my players won't want to protest, I will encourage that. I will encourage the exchanging of ideas about this. And I will let my players have a personality instead of being a robot that the NFL seems to encourage the NFL at the very end of the day, we need to have a conversation about how the NFL hates individuality. This no is really no what most uh, trickles down to the NBA. They support that. They want mm-hmm. their guys to be outspoken. They want Russell, Russell Westbrook, you know, dancing it up on commercials. They want that. 
But when you go to the NFL, they want a certain type of guy. They want that clean cut, shut your mouth, do your job. Almost like something I can't really recall what occupation they do. They used to call it when people used to be on, on a field all day and then they work. <laughs> they didn't say anything. Hmm. But and, and, yeah, anyway. Um, so you look at what these guys said. You truly don't understand the protest if you're saying that you want your guys to stand up or you support it. But. I don't really, you know, w- encourage that. You should encourage that. You should encourage the individuality of your players. Jermichael Finley just being dense. He's being ignorant. I don't. I really don't have much time for him. But I think Hugh Jackson knows that what he said today, deep down, he knows that was very shameful, and he knows that that was a joke. Like that, that was like that, that statement was completely baseless. It was cowardly. And I think he needs to check himself. And I think people in the barbershop are going to check him, but he's bald, so he probably does, 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 doesn't <laughs> go to a barbershop. No. But if he did go to a barbershop, people would check him and say that you're being a fool about this. No doubt, no doubt. Hugh, Hugh Jackson, just for the, those of you who, who did not catch his comments, he says, quote, I think everybody has a right to do to do it. I get it. The national anthem means a lot to myself, personally, the organization, and our football team. I hope. And again, I can't speak because I really haven't talked to our team about it. I hope we don't have those issues, meaning that I hope we don't have players who are looking to protest. He went on to say, I understand there's a lot going on in the world. I just like to keep it there. What we deal with, we deal with here in our team and it's in in an enclosed environment. We talk about things. Hopefully that won't happen. I can tell you that won't happen. But I just know our guys. I don't think that's where our focus is. We know that things are going on in the world, and we hope that they get ironed out. But I know right now we're doing everything we can to get this football team to make this football team better. He said he hoped that the things in the world get ironed out. <laughs> FIFO man, what what's your take on Hugh Jackson and uh, Jermichael Finley? Man, what, what what kind of tea they drinking, man? Because kind of, <laughs> I, I, I I'm I'm lost. I'm lost. Um, and, and, you know, Q. I'm not sure if it was Q or B that said it. If he understood it, then you would be in full support of it. You you wouldn't say we don't want those problems. Like like what 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 do you mean? We have major problems out there, and not everybody knows how to fix those issues. But people that have platforms have the right, and they should voice their opinion. They play in the NFL. They're part of the product. I have a platform. If I feel some type of way, I need to speak up. You should be in full support of that, bruh. You know that there's no black owners in the NFL. Come on, no. man. You need to be in support of everything that advances the melanated people. And right now, right out your window, they out here blatantly, like it's the ba- like the damn 50s, just, just, just trying to get us. Man, what is you talking about? You need to speak up about it. This is your platform when you are in the press conference, when you are addressing other people. You need to be talking about that. So, nah, man, this, this, this guy, I don't know. I don't know what they serving out there in, in Cleveland, man. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I feel Kyrie, man. Get out, man. Get out, bro. Oh, we definitely going to talk about him in a minute. Um, B, man, your take on uh, Hugh Jackson and, and Jermichael Finley. Man, that wasn't Hugh Jackson, man. That was OJ. <laughs> <laughs> OJ speaking through him. <laughs> no, no, that, no, that wasn't Hugh Jackson, man. That, that was OJ. That, that, that's exactly 
something that that OJ would spew out. I swear that was that's that that was OJ, man. That ain't Hugh Jackson. That's OJ. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, um, yeah, man. It's, it's just that. It's just. Oh God. Oh yeah. And it, oh yeah. I, I want to add on to this too. Go ahead. I was listening to um the sports radio show on the radio this, uh, early this morning on my way to work, and Tim Brown kind of. Yeah, yeah. Sam Brown same. is in the sunken place too. He's he, he talking about some. Yeah, football is not the place to bring politics and all that and, and and issue world issues. It's about football. I'm like, no, not you too. I hope somebody actually protests. Um, I think that that I, I think it would be great if somebody heard him and didn't agree with that because he's he's doing he's speaking for them and he's speaking to them basically saying that you best not protest mm-hmm. um and that within itself is problematic look i understand that you went one in 15 last year and you got other <laughs> bigger problems you need to worry hey, about and ken they might not get a win this year either yeah so you you trying to keep it as clean over there as possible and for somebody like hugh jackson who obviously has benefited from the rooney rule and, and here's a guy who's had 19 different jobs in the nfl um, you know, if he had waited around for owners to iron things out, you know, he would have never gotten a head coaching job. You know, so I, I, I don't know if I were a player on the Cleveland Browns uh, team, I would really be looking at him funny. Uh, so we'll we'll see. We'll see how, how it plays out. But I'm, I'm pretty sure as this goes on, there'll be more athletes journeying to the, the you know, to the oh. sunken place. And they'll be right down there with Jason Whitlock and and Jeremiah, uh, the Finley boy, the Finley kid, the Finley man. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I can't take him serious until he learn how to spell. So once he learns how to spell, <laughs> then we can talk yeah. about him. He said he tweeted that uh, <laughs> the athletes were role models, and he spelled role R O L L. Oh man! Anyway, let's move on to some basketball, man. Let's 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 let's, let's lighten it up a little bit. Um, you know, before we get into basketball, man, I gotta and I didn't say this at the top, man. Make sure that you, if you haven't done so, subscribe to our podcast. Make sure that you follow us on all social media. Obviously, we have uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube. We got a YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash dead in sports. Shout out to everybody who still comments in our comment section on the YouTube videos. We go back and and, and see the comments as well. Um so basketball wise, man, we talked about Kyrie Irving last week. Uh, Kyrie uh, came out, or at least his representatives, because we still haven't heard anything from Kyrie as of yet. Um, you know, mentioned that what is being said now is that talks are heating up between uh, he and San Antonio, and that he is open to signing an extension with the Spurs uh, should he be able to be traded there. Now, FIFA, we didn't get your take on Kyrie wanting out. So I'll start first with you. Give us your opinion on Kyrie wanting to be out of Cleveland. Do you understand it? Do you agree with it? And then give me your take on, you know, whether or not you think he would be a good fit in San Antonio uh, if they could pull that off. I don't agree with it, but I understand it. Um, okay. When when they first got paired up, one of my best friends, Nigel, uh, we talked about it. And he said he didn't know how it was going to work. I said it'll be marvelous because LeBron needs to play with a scoring point guard. Obviously, they've been to the finals three three straight times, and Kyrie, when he's been healthy, has been the most clutch player on the the court. So Kyrie can hold his own. 
so that's the reason why I understand him wanting to have his own team because Cleveland was supposed to be that even though they didn't draft right for that. But I, I definitely, the competitor in me is like, damn, man, I want to be trying to win championships. You know what I'm saying? And right. even though I may be playing second fiddle to Braun right now, this guy, he's not Superman. He like He's going to slow down. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just getting into my prime. And there is going to have to be a changing of the guard. I still got a couple years left. If he doesn't come back and it doesn't go good in Cleveland without him, I'm out anyway. So that's the logical. But if you're hyper competitive like Kyrie is, I get it. I get it. We could see that LeBron could be a bit diva-ish. Kyrie doesn't seem diva-ish to me. Kyrie seems like he's just a guy that want to go hoop all the time. So, you know, we don't hear stories about Kyrie. He doesn't subtweet and, 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 and read between <laughs> the lines, social media type stuff. You know what I'm saying? He, man, he is a, a student of Mambaism. You know what I'm saying? You don't do that in Mambaism. That's like rule number 27. You know what I'm saying? It's up there. You know what I'm saying? So, nah, man, I, I definitely understand it for Kyrie. I love San Antonio for him, mainly because I think Pop can put him in a system where he allows them to beat Kyrie, but other players know will know where to be and how to play off of Kyrie as well. And then when you got a scoring guy like Kyrie and a defensive two-way guy like Kawhi, if they can just get something else in somewhere in free agency, you know, here down the road or something like that, or draft, obviously, because they know how to draft anywhere in the draft, oh, my God, they, they, they could definitely make a run. But I still don't think it's enough with just Kyrie and Kawhi. I definitely don't think it's enough, but it is definitely nice. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, Q, what about you, man? Um, Kyrie to the Spurs, possibly. Uh, do you think that'd be a good fit? I love the move, um, if that would happen. First off, I think Popovich is the greatest coach of all time. Uh, this is my personal opinion. Um, so pairing Kyrie with a guy who knows how to put people in the best situation possible I think it makes Kyrie probably you could see MVP contender with Kyrie in San Antonio. I'm going to go that far. That's that's my hot take. I think that in, when you have a guy like Kawhi who is going to be able to take care of the best uh, player on defense, I think that allows Kyrie to be himself. Okay. I think that people are being very disingenuous saying, that, oh, Kyrie's not – the Kyrie can't be your best uh, player on a championship team, you know, and, oh, he can't do what guys like Kobe did or whatnot. But I, I just want to remind people that Kobe didn't do what y'all think he did. Kobe being the man on the team by himself that didn't have anything, best they won was, what, 42, 43 games and, what, got bounced out by Phoenix first round? Like, that, like this is very di- disingenuous. And people bringing up points about, oh, Kyrie didn't do anything in Cleveland his first couple years. Kyrie was 18, 19, 20, and 21. His coaches were Byron Scott and Mike Brown. And Mike Brown got fired halfway through the season. Mm -hmm. So people act like Kyrie was in in the most stable of places in Cleveland and how he should have just won all all these games. It's very disingenuous. If you put him in, in a system with San Antonio where he has knockdown shooters, I think Kyrie can average five assists a game. I really do because he played at Duke, and you have to be smart to play at Duke. 
to be a USA basketball guy, you have to be smart. You have to have some type of IQ. And people like Max Kellerman act like Kyrie is a bumbling idiot on the basketball court. Kyrie probably, from what I've seen, one of the smarter guys on on, on the basketball court. He just can get carried away because he knows no one can guard him. Every dribble, he's giving you a move. So when you know that you can shake virtually everybody on this planet, you're going to think that you can get to the basket every time. Bringing up Popovich, who tells you, yes, I know you can get to the basket every time, but for us to win, you can use that move to free up a guy who's standing in the corner. Or you can use your dribbles to free up a shooter. You can pass to Kawhi. He can make it easier for for you as as a cutter. Let him be primary ball handler. There's so many options that they have in San Antonio. So I think if he was to go to San Antonio – I'm going to just say right now, I think MVP contender, man. I really think that Pop has never wow. had a point guard that talented. He, I really don't think he's ever had a point guard as talented as Kyrie. All love to Tony Parker, who's a Hall of Famer, mm-hmm. but not as talented as Kyrie. Okay, okay. Ken, what about you, man? Uh, Kyrie possibly with the Spurs, with Kawhi and uh, Greg Popovich, man. What you think? I'm interested. Um his talent, we all know. We all know Pop's talent as a coach. How True. would that mesh out? And how would he, like, utilize that? How can he tame Kyrie um, and turn him into, like, maximize his, his true potential? Um, that's something I would be curious to see. So, you know, I, I think it'll work. And Pop being the genius coach that he is, um, and being the coach that, that gets a, a, a lot of respect from everybody in the league for him to want to go there, um, shows and tells me that he wants to be coached and he's willing to play within pop system and listen to pop and follow pop's rules. If he didn't, if he wanted to just be a guy to go get his, then he would have asked to go somewhere else. But, um, I like the move because going back to what FIFO said, it's about winning championships, right? If you want to win championships and you're leaving LeBron, where's the next best place to go to possibly win a championship? If you can't play with the best player, you might as well go play with the best coach. So he puts himself in a position to potentially win championships because we know Pop is going to win 50, 60 games with Kyrie and without Kyrie. So you give him Kyrie and who knows what he can do and who knows what he can put around him and the type of players he can put around him and the system that he can put around him. So um, it will be interesting to see. And, you know, as a fan of Pop, I would love to see see him on there. Um, and, you know, I'm sure Pop, Pop remember Kyrie. He, he, he know. What, Kyrie put 52 on him? <laughs> so... So, yeah, he, he know what Kyrie all about. So he would love to get that on his side. What what can the Spurs give the Cavs if that trade was to happen? I think they would have uh, to give up that young kid. That, what's the kid that's the uh, – That's him. I always get him confused with the other, other guy. I mean, I'm understanding. Yeah, but that, but Ken, that, Ken, that guy looks like he's going to be a can star. What all Kyrie? What all can Kyrie? But now here, here's the caveat they'll be. Uh, the Cavs have come out in, in probably in the last few hours and said that what they're looking for, if they have to get rid of Kyrie, they want to go. They want to trade 
they want to trade star for star, obviously, but they want to get a young star, somebody they can build around because they're building. That's and what we'll, I'm saying. We'll, who, who we'll, we'll get to this guy to build around as far as a young star? My, my guess is going to be picks. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know. What kind of woes that um, they were, just to give you a little background information, B, they said that uh, woes, ESPN uh, said that. Um, they were looking for a young player, and they listed a couple names. They said they're targeting guys like Chris Stapps, Porzingis, yep, Jamal Murray, um, Jason Tatum, Tatum, John. Mm-hmm. So like a like a three team trade or something like that. I think San Antonio would have to do a three team trade because they're to, not. Yeah, I don't see anything. I don't see anything like, attractive. Yeah, I don't see anything attractive that that can make the Cavs pull the trigger on this. Like, yeah, you have to involve another team in this trade. Like, yeah, yeah. like you're definitely going to have to. And plus, yeah. they know that they don't have many options for acquiring picks because San Antonio is always going to be at the bottom of the draft. Like, the pick in thirty-one. You know, what I'm saying like it's not really going to happen. I mean, hey, I'm 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 with Ron Harper, man. Look, if you request <laughs> before your contract is up, take him to the take him to the Brooklyn Nets. Take take them there. You want to be the man? Go ahead, be the man at Brooklyn Nets and and, and average about thirty eight a game and and, and be a, a fourteen to nineteen win game <laughs> squad. That that's where I'm at. Just take them there then, since you want to lead the best player in the league in the league. Even though it's probably some 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 smoke that's that's happening behind the scenes that we don't know about. But hey, look, your contract ain't up yet. You demand to be traded. We're gonna trade you to the Brooklyn Nets. There you go. <laughs> be the man there. Be the man there and shut up. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm with you. I, I, I think on paper this works. If if they can, you know, if they can make it work on paper as far as the, you know, who they could trade for it. Um, I'm not really sure about Kyrie as far as where his head is. I mean, first and foremost, Kyrie said the Earth is flat. So you know that may, that makes me question, you know, his his intelligence. Uh, but seriously, um, we heard a report last week about Kyrie. Uh, at some point in time during the playoffs, not talking to his teammates at practice uh, in between games during the the, the NBA playoffs. Um, I don't know how you can go to practice and practice a full practice and not talk to one teammate at all. Um, And that's to me, that shows a level of maturity or lack thereof. Um, But all things considered, man, talent wise, I mean, he's a phenomenal talent. I just don't know that, you know, San Antonio would be, um, I guess it would be a decent landing spot. I just don't know because what we heard was that he wanted some. He wanted to go somewhere where he could be the man. He's not going to be the man in San Antonio. I mean, he could he could be in the driver's seat, but he's not going to be the man in San Antonio. And you know, the other thing that you know we're not considering is that. And I don't know. Again, it's, this goes back to his level of maturity. We've heard stories about how Greg Popovich, you know, when Tim Duncan was the best player, not just on his team, but one of the best players in the league where Greg Popovich would cuss Tim Duncan out. So if Greg Popovich, like you said, arguably the greatest basketball coach in the NBA, in the NBA history can cuss out his star player, you know, are you going to be receptive to that type of, you know, criticism or, or, you know, riding or whatever like that, you know, just to make you better. And, you know, Duncan wasn't a guy who's going to, you know, uh, buck up at, at Popovich, you know, so what happens if he does that to Kyrie, you know, is his feelings going to get hurt? Is he going to be subtweeting on Twitter? You know, I mean, like, so I, I just don't know where his head is in, in that space. Like FIFO said, I, I get it to some degree why he would want to leave. 
Um, personally, I don't think he should leave, but you know, I guess we'll see. But it, at this point, we're getting closer and closer, and we got still got some time. Uh, we got a little bit more than what about a month and a half before NBA training camp starts. Uh, but there's no conceivable way I think that the two, meaning Kyrie and LeBron, and we'll talk about LeBron in just a second, where the two can come to camp together as Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, at the very least to suit up for next year. Um, and I want to get into LeBron in just a second here. Before I get into LeBron, I'm uh, going to share with you guys a couple of stories that are in the news. Uh, John Carlos Stanton from the uh, Miami Marlins is being shopped. Uh, Stanton has cleared waivers. There are four teams that are interested in the 27-year-old slugger. Uh, John, Carlo, John Carlos Stanton, as many of you know, still has 10 years and $295 million left on his contract. Uh, teams should be lining up. He Right now he leads the major leagues with 43 home runs. So we'll see what happens if uh, the Marlins are able or are willing to move him. Uh, also in, in other news, Serena Williams tweeted out that she is not retiring after she has her baby. So anybody that is winning titles, uh, beware. Serena will be back. Um, and on a sad front, man, your man Tiger Woods, he's in the news uh, it was discovered that he had five drugs in his system uh, when he was pulled over or fell asleep at the wheel a couple of months ago. <laughs> Me and B say he's done. Ken is still holding out hope. Um, one of he's the done. drugs uh, was THC, uh, also known as marijuana. Uh, so Tiger's on. He's on. He's on the good stuff, man. He's on the good drugs. Uh, hopefully, Tiger, whatever Tiger's going through, he can take care of that because that's. He, they they found some serious stuff in his system. And last but not least, speaking of drugs, man, our boy Zebo, Zach Randolph, got busted for two pounds of weed last week. Man, come on. Y'all think Zach moving weed like that? Two pounds in LA? <sighs> anyway, so yeah, that's what's going on in the news. Now get back to our topics. Uh we mentioned LeBron. Um Cleveland right now is operating and, and Q you alluded to it, uh alluded to it. Um, Woj from ESPN reported that uh, the Cavs are looking to make deals with the assumption that LeBron will not be on the team after this season. Ken, is that a good move for the Cavs? It's an excellent move for the Cavs. You know what's up. Um, You know that you'll be starting from scratch after um, next year, so it makes sense to go ahead and start planning for the future. And good teams, good organizations, good GMs, good owners plan ahead, and they let the uh, the day to day people handle now. The operations people take care of now. The coach take care of now. And as an organization, I would definitely be looking ahead to make sure that I'm protected for when he leaves. And Kyrie actually may have just did them a favor because. Now, instead of losing Kyrie and losing LeBron, you could potentially get assets back that can help you manage that a little better than you probably could have. So I'm with it. What about you, B? Uh, yeah, I think um, I echo Ken sentiments exactly. Um, you know, I, I think it's like one of those, you got me last time, LeBron, so not this time. You know what I'm saying? So... Uh yeah, I think it's I think it's I think it's a smart move for Cavs to really start to kind of kind of t- take in reality that you know you're not going to have LeBron after the 2017 2018 NBA season. So 
Um, yeah, I think I think it's a great move. Great, great. Like can say exactly, man. Great GMs, you have to plan for the future. You have to think three, four, five seasons ahead. You know, especially if you're losing someone of that caliber of LeBron James and Kyrie Irving, not as, uh, by him being you know requesting the trade. So mm-hmm. yeah, man, great, great move on on the Cavs, man. They they finally thinking smart because they 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 got fooled once with the LeBron. <laughs> FIFA, what about you, man? Uh, the Cavs, they look to be making moves uh, under the assumption that LeBron will not be on the team after next season, um, even though some of the moves that they make may not be necessarily good for this upcoming season. Uh, is it a good move for the Cavs? Of course. I, like, like I always say, man, there's two ways that you that, that, that you become a championship team. You buy it or you draft it. And when you let somebody the caliber of LeBron James go without getting anything in return, you better make moves. You better make moves because you already saw what happened last time. You want to have enough players to stay afloat but still be bad enough to draft young talent. And you already have assets. You have tradable assets. If you can get rid of – if LeBron James is not willing to commit, you build a bum team around around LeBron. Let LeBron take you. You get as many draft picks and as many young players as you can. And it is what it is. You guys part ways. He brought you a championship, and you move forward with the new look Cleveland Cavs. I think that's I, that's the best move. You have to obtain assets. They don't have any draft picks. They don't have any young players outside of Kyrie, because K Love is now closer to thirty than 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 he is twenty five, right? So you got to get rid of something to get more return if LeBron James is non-committal. If LeBron says, I will definitely sign an extension, then you make all the different types of moves. You get veterans, you get shooters, you get guys. You, you make the moves that you've been making, right? Because you're trying to compete against Golden State. But if LeBron James is non-committal, you better move everything around him and be like, LeBron, this this, this is on you. This, this is on you. you. You you didn't commit to us, so guess what? Peace. If you want to leave, we're gonna be all right. Question, people: I mean, Do do you do you br- blame LeBron at this point for being non-committal? No, I think I think you should always have the leverage. That that's okay. that's business one on one. If you have leverage and you have power, and he's always controlled his career, always signed short-term deals, always controlled the leverage. So you know, no, I don't blame him. I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all. Gotcha. At all, he's a shrewd businessman. Q, what about you, man? Uh, these moves that the Cavs are making, uh, is it a good look for them? Um, To be honest, the whole Jeff Green, Derrick Rose thing, it's really only contingent on what Kyrie uh, was supposed to do. Now, well, let, well, let's assume that Kyrie won't be back. So we're looking at LeBron coming back with K-Love, Jeff Green, and like you said, uh, D. Rose. Right. Well, it seems to me that, they, that they're going to have to have a conversation. Um, and the conversation is going to be, look, man, like Kyle, let me put it to you this way. Mm-hmm. If, if you were in this hypothetical fake situation, right? Mm-hmm. This is what LeBron has done. So this is why everyone should be on the side of, he's probably going to leave. Kyle, if you were in a, if you were in a relationship, uh, with a girl back in high school, right? And the girl said that, hey, I saw you out with this other girl. And everyone says that you're cheating with her. And you're like, no, I'm not cheating. What are you talking about? <laughs> and, then, and then instead, 
the very next day, your girl sees you out with that same girl, and she's like, I saw you with 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 her again. What's up? LeBron basically did that when he went to the summer league game to see Lonzo play, and then he goes on his Instagram and says, just do it. He's going to see all the Lakers camps. He's out in L.A. He's talking about how L.A. is home. The well, writing he has is on the wall. The, the writing is on the wall. <laughs> like, like, to me, the writing is on the wall. And they're going to have to have this conversation where it's like, look, LeBron, like, like, like we see you around town flirting. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, wh- are you going to be committal or are you not? And then LeBron, like the shrewd businessman that FIFO says he is, and he is, mm-hmm. he's going to say, well, I, I'm going to have to get, get back to you. I can't, I can't really give you an answer. And then Cleveland's going to say, okay, well, understand that we have to move as a business with the with the intention that you're going to leave. Right. And LeBron's going to say, I, I understand. Because LeBron understands the uh, business. Now, this is where it gets tricky because I don't know if Cleveland should even come through this season and ask LeBron not to waive his no-trade clause. He, but he Cleveland. already said he's not waiving it. Man, I think I think a lot of things can change. I think the first domino to fall, Kyle, is if Kyrie gets traded, and I and it depends on what he gets traded for. Because if he ends up trading him for like Moutier and Jamal Murray and like another like a Wilson Chandler for Kyrie, will LeBron look at that and say, "Yeah, that's good enough to compete with Golden State," or will he say, "Look, we got to have a meeting. L.A. is already as good as this roster is because we don't really have much of a bench." I like Lonzo. I like Contavious Caldwell Pope. Brooke Lopez is good enough in, inside to do something. If you trade me there, you might be able to get back Brandon Ingram, Jordan Clarkson, and rebuild with those two as your as your pieces. Those are those are scenarios that they're going to have to go through. Obviously, that that math has to be equated, but those are the conversations that they're going to have to have. So I don't know if these moves are simply just them scrambling around trying to make sure that they have. Uh, just in case the LeBron leaves plan, but it's looking as if they are looking at life after LeBron being within the very next 365 days. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, um, even though I, I don't like it, I, I think it's, it's, it bodes in the Cavs favor to, you know, to make moves. And I mean, it's difficult for them because if you're in their and if you're in their seat, they know that the best chance that they have to win a championship is next season, this coming season, because that's all that you're guaranteed. That's all, you know, you don't know what LeBron is going to do and you have to assume that he could be looking to move out West. And if that's the case, and if we all, we've seen the Cavs without LeBron. So no, they're not going to have a snowball's chance in hell at winning a title the following year should LeBron decide to leave. So, you, so to, you know, to follow up with what you said, Ken, I, I, I mean, Q, I agree. You have to, you know, if, if he looks like he's going to step, you gotta, you gotta get yourself ready. You know, that way you can prepare yourself. Uh, it, there's no need to be standing there, you know, holding, holding the bag because it's, it's not looking good, but it's, it's also very interesting. And I'm, I'm very intrigued to see how this plays out because, they are a team as constructed because they have LeBron James on their team next year that they still have a legitimate shot at winning the finals. So if he's on your team, you've got a shot. We already know that they should, I think, cakewalk through the East, and that includes Boston. So, And that's without Kyrie. That's just my opinion. But 
I don't see anybody beating them in a seven game series, you know, as constructed, cons- uh, you know, with under the assumption that D Rose is healthy. <laughs> I don't see anybody beating the Cavs. Um, but uh, but yeah, we'll see, man. I, I think it's interesting. But the Cavs are in a very uh, peculiar place, particularly, you know, they, they got. A lot of things they got to work on. They got to try to figure out how to get Kyrie up out of there, and they got to try to figure out how they can make this team better and equipped to win next year as well as prepare for the future as well. Because, you know, like you said, some of the signs that are, that are you know, pointing to LeBron leaving, you know, could very well be coming true. All right, before we get out of here, got one last topic. I decided to put this together, man, and have a little fun. Uh, me and one of my partners, uh, we were talking the other day about you know, about how the NBA world was and how it is now. And we're talking about some of the teams and I happened to mention the dream team. And he was, and he just, he said, well, you know, the league is in a great, we started talking about where the league was. Right. And he was telling me like how the league is in a better place. And so we're talking about the eras and things of that nature. And then I mentioned the dream team. And because I think the dream team recently celebrated like the 25 year of their 25th year of their uh, medal winning uh, tour, what have you, when they won the gold medal, uh, in the Olympics. And so it got me to thinking, he made a comment. He said, well, what if you put a team of all stars from 2017 against the 92 dream team? So here's what I came up with. And I, and, and I'm going to throw it to you first FIFA, and then we'll go down the line. Let's go. Here's the scenario. We're going today's rules, today's NBA in their prime, the 92 dream team. And for those of you listening, I'm going to read to you. I'm going to give you the starting five first. Starting five, Magic, Michael, Scotty, Charles Barkley, and Patrick Ewing. Now, for my 2017 All-Stars that I want to put up against the uh, the Dream Team, I got Russell Westbrook at the point, James Harden, LeBron at the three, KD at the four, Anthony Davis at the five. Now, for the Dream Team coming off the bench, I got John Stockton at the point, Drexler at the two, Larry Bird at the three, assuming that his back is healthy, uh, Mailman at the five, and David Robinson at the start at the second center. Uh, for the All-Stars, coming off the bench, I got Steph Curry at the point, Jimmy Butler at the two, Kawhi Leonard at the three, Greek Freak at the four, and Rudy Gobert at the five. So FIFA, with that lineup right there in today's rules, does – a 2017 all-star team have a what kind of what kind of if you had to put a percentage on it what kind of percentage would you give them at beating the 92 dream team i I would say about 30 to 35 percent okay 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 the, uh, now, real, real quick, do you remember the 92 Dream Team, people? Of course. I mean, I know you're young, man. So I just, <laughs> yeah, nah. I was you ain't as old as me and Ken, man. Yeah, no, I feel you know, but I was in Spain in 92 when okay. uh, we just missed the Olympics. We got there right after the Olympics. It was see, crazy. See, but yeah. Q, Q was a baby in 92. Yeah, no, nah, I, w- I was eight. I was eight. Okay. So I remember. I was, a, I was a fetus. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't even know if he was born. Thanks for making me feel old, Q. <laughs> Go ahead, people. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I definitely think about thirty to thirty-five percent, um, and, and, and that has the reason why I'm leaning toward the Dream Team so much is because of Michael Jeffrey Jordan. That guy, like, look, man. It, it, as much as I love Braun and KD, and look, man, like that guy right there when he when he got the mean face going, it, it, nobody nobody was gonna stop that. Nobody was gonna stop that. It was a close game. 
and you already know Jordan John. Like, come on, man. No, no, no. I, I, I got. I, I always am gonna defer to Jordan. Jordan, Jordan got it. But um, they definitely have a shot. They definitely have okay. a shot. They can, they can match up. Um, LeBron right now, like I, I don't see who would guard him because Magic can't do it. He was too old and dusty. Pippen, <laughs> Pippen to get him. Okay, yeah, yeah. They go small for so, so, so small for. You put Scotty on, on LeBron. Okay, so 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 then who guarding KD then? Uh, Barkley. Unfortunately, yeah. therein lies yeah. the problem. <laughs> yeah, I I I I take KD versus everybody that the Dream Team has to throw at him. Right. So so see that you know that's the reason, man. Like like the matchups are really good. Because Chuck Daly gonna have to coach his ass off. I'll tell you mm-hmm. that much. I'll tell you that much. Which is something he didn't have to do in '92. Nah. <laughs> I think no, Chuck might have called one timeout the whole the whole time they were in uh, playing in the Olympics. Yeah, it was more about managing the egos and managing right. the players, right, and, and getting those guys to play as one cohesive unit. But it wasn't really X's and O's against the guys that they were really playing against. You know, like come on, man. Like it, it wasn't close. It wasn't close. But nah, against a 2017 squad, you know, it's 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 gonna be it's gonna it's gonna be tough. Um, it's definitely gonna be tough. No doubt, no doubt. What about you, B? Uh, 92 Dream Team uh, against the 2017 All Stars. Uh, what kind of percentage do you think you would give the uh, 2017 team as having a shot at winning? Who is the center again? Uh, my centers, starting centers, uh, Patrick Ewing for the Dream Team, Anthony Davis. For this All Stars, Rudy Gobert coming off the bench and uh, David Robinson coming off the bench for the Dream Team. Uh, now we're playing. We're playing by today's rules, so you know you can right. switch your I centers. Mean, you you can either throw them in the post, or you can have members. Pat can step out there and hit that eighteen footer with with ease. Mm-hmm. So could David Robinson. Yeah. Oh, yep. no question. No question. No question. Yeah, I probably get like anywhere between thirty or forty percent chance of them beating them. Okay. Um, you know, actually, the weak link would probably be Magic because he's past. He at this point, Magic was way past his prime. So I mean, was Bird. So so was Bird. Bird had a bad back, you know, and right. Magic. It even well, well, let's let's assume that Bird is healthy, but he's still no. at that age of he was when the, with the Dream Team. And Magic, I think, was coming off. He was coming out of coming off the retirement. Yeah, the he HIV, the HIV, yeah, HIV, the HIV right. announcement and stuff. Yeah, so Magic was kind of pretty much a former shell of himself. I mean, he just looked good because he was playing with you know Jordan Pippen and so many other great players that were you know kind of in their wait, prime. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. But you think he was a former? He went to the finals in '91. But he still was a shell of himself. He, was, <laughs> he wasn't. He wasn't the Showtime on, '80s Magic. Come on, B. No, nah, Cal. He didn't. He I, didn't quite look I some the same. Isaiah, I hear some Isaiah love in here. Nah, I, nah, nah. He didn't look the same. Gonna, so. I'm not gonna let you say Magic was washed. I mean, he but wasn't he, washed, he, he but he, he was just he a veteran. 87 Magic. He wasn't 80, 85, 87 Magic. Yeah, okay, so the the 88 Magic and the 92 Magic. You saying that was a huge difference? He was yeah, dribbling yeah, up the court a little slower, Cal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> he was. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to cut you off. Yeah, no. Yeah, I mean, and 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 it proved when they played against the college guys, Chris Webber and Bob Hurley. Ma- Magic had a hard time guarding quicker guards. Like right. anyone that was fast, Magic was mm-hmm. a defensive liability. Yeah, so, so, so yeah. In this in this matchup, we're assuming Magic would have to <laughs> to guard Russell Westbrook. Yeah. Oh, that's a defense. That's a liability. 
That is a defensive liability, dude. <laughs> now, now when you factor in the David Robbins, the big the that 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 front court is is where I always give the edge to the ninety two Dream Team, no matter who they was playing, because yeah, David Robinson, Ewan, and you know them got Malone. Them guys will yeah. beat up anybody. Up Malone coming off the bench, yeah, Robinson coming so, off the bench. Yeah, I I don't know if, I don't know if Anthony Davis be ready for that punishment that uh, Ewan be ready to serve him in the paint. But then again, on the offensive end. I mean, Anthony Davis. You ain't never, you ain't never guarded nothing like that before. No, no. You know, so out of seven footer that can shoot. Yeah, like it, go, it goes both ways. You know, but Barkley would have probably bullied Kevin Durant, but Kevin Durant. I mean, you, you, <laughs> you imagine Barkley stepping out on the perimeter yeah. trying to guard KD. Right, <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. So, yeah, yeah. But I, I still give the edge just to '92, just because the the Jordan. And just his willingness to not lose the game. I mean, Pippen, all those guys, they they pride it on defense, man. So right. they'd have been they'd have been they'd have been ready. They'd have been locked and loaded. No doubt. Yeah, no doubt. you 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 know, I think Chuck Daly would have had to play a lot of John Stockton down the stretch. Yep. Um, yeah. 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 Like, yep. You know, you, you But like, even you, playing you, Stockton, you 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 looking at Stockton matching up with Westbrook or, or maybe Stockton or matching Stockton. up with Steph coming off the bench. For the for the All Stars, don't sleep on Stockton though. Ooh, hey, yeah. Stockton, Stockton, Stockton was a little shiesty little defense defender. Oh yeah, yeah. very good defender. Don't very sleep on defense. his. Yeah, Stockton was a good defender. It's funny because my uh, my my grandmother actually had VHS tapes of the '92 Dream Team. She recorded <laughs> like, like like all of the games. So mm-hmm. I, I went back a couple years ago and I watched them. Okay, and people forget how David Robinson was a. Beast, man, boy, yeah. the MVP. He's he's First off, he's eating everything that's coming in into the paint. First yep. off, yep. and Michael not being able to touch Michael. Do you realize how we talking about prime Michael too? This is yeah. this is MJ mm-hmm. prime MJ. Yeah. This, this was this was taken to the hoop, Michael. This wasn't fadeaway jumper, Michael. Can we? Oh, like, he had that too. He had that man, too. Man, Man, his jumper was mechanically sound. His knees were still young and spry. He was going in. Man, he was like the Westbrook before Westbrook, man. But when you look at that team, I give 2017 – I'm sorry. I give the 2017 team – I give them a 40% chance. Okay. Okay. Yeah, 30 to 40. Yeah. I think think, think KD being 7 foot 1, being able able to dribble the ball up the floor, I think that – that exposes Barkley on defense. I think AD being able to step out on the perimeter and also handle the ball, that that probably exposes a lot. But once you come into the paint, man, you're going to have to – their jumper is going to have to have to be falling because night two uh, front court is eating everything that comes into the paint. I don't care how right. fast Russell Westbrook is. There, there are people who block Westbrook at, at the rim now who aren't even half as good as David Robinson. So mm-hmm. you see so how good of a defensive anchor that guy was what four championships? Dude's dude's incredible, man. Like that, I'm giving '92 the edge, obviously, but 2017 definitely has some dogs in them. But Jordan not being able to touch him, not being able to hand check him, and you already see what Michael did, man. Average 30 points in the season, like dude. No, '92 is winning that just because Michael is gonna take on the challenge of guarding LeBron too. If he probably, if he wants to LeBron, like mm-hmm. Michael judging his, his mentality, he'll probably Everybody take it can get it to be like, okay, <laughs> yes, sir. So this is, so this is the dude that y'all said is the goat, right? All right, bet. 
I'll check him. And we're going to see. And we're going to see. And we're going to see. I'm giving it to 92, man. But 2017, he definitely got some dogs. I give him a 40% shot. Okay. I, I would I, – I, I never thought I'd say this, man, but I, I give them a legit 25 30% chance. And that's saying a lot for me because this, this 92 team is very endearing, but that also speaks volumes to me about how far the game has come and how, be- how, how much better these basketball athletes have gotten. Um, for those of you who weren't around, there was a or, – or maybe not really old enough to remember basketball, but um, there was a sentiment around the coming toward the end of the 90s in, in the early 2000s where people were really – concerned as to how good the game was going to be because Jordan was transitioning out of the league. So, you know, you had a generation of the Ben Bakers and the Kevin Garnett's and the, you know, then the next generation was the Kobe guys, Ray Allen's, those guys. And, you know, you knew that the league would be kind of okay, but they weren't really sure how well the league, how well the hands would be, you know, as far as the people would be left to take over the league. And, if you look at, and that's why I bug out when I hear people say, oh man, the NBA ain't as good as it used to be. That's bullshit. You have, on a night to night basis, the level of talent, now you may not have the same level of talent one through 12, but it's just as good as it was in, in the late 90s. That being said, no, this, this, this 2017 team is ju- it can legitimately, you know, give this team a run for their money. Um, if you take it to the bench, you know, Jimmy Buckets, Kawhi, these guys are defensive specialists. Greek Freak, I mean, that's a tough matchup for anybody. Greek Freak is a tough matchup for anybody on that dream team. Anybody. Um, I think it, it goes back to, like you said, I think it goes back to uh, Michael. It goes back to Scotty on the defensive end. It goes back to Magic, you know, running the point. Um, but, yeah, I, I give them a legitimate 20. I say, I say 30% shot. And to me, that's saying a lot. And I think that speaks volumes to where these current all-stars are. And again, and I we didn't even mention James Harden. I mean, just a shooter like that. I mean, it, it would be, I would pay top. I wish we could get in a time machine and make it happen. This would be a great, great matchup. I would love to see it happen. I'm, I would give it, I mean, obviously I'm going to go with the dream team. But um, trust me when I tell you, as somebody who saw this team play, saw basketball in the in the 80s and 90s, the level of talent in this in this NBA that we're watching right now is tremendous. I don't think we should ever sleep on it because there may be some drop off after Le- the LeBrons and the KDs retire, but you know, th- hopefully the league will stay in good hands and keep progressing. Ken, what about you, man? H- how do you see this thing a- uh, matching up? Man, I I'm wondering if they have a fifty percent shot. Okay, well, that's pretty high, I, Ken. <laughs> I know it's real high, but I'm thinking um, Curry, Kawhi, Katie, LeBron, Anthony Davis lineup. I'm just thinking about, like. Yeah, different lineups, right, right, right. Yeah, just the different lineups they can throw at them. And granted, the, the Dream Team can throw one back, but I, I think that that point guard position between Magic and Stockton could, could potentially be a problem. Um, but. That at the same time, the that that 2017 team having seen centers the like of Patrick Ewing and David Robinson. Mm-hmm. So, if if you leave Westbrook out there and he does blow by uh, 
Magic Johnson. All he's going to do is run into uh, Patrick and, and David Robinson. So, you know, and, and you can feed into Westbrook's ego. So I think the camaraderie and and the IQ that the Dream Team has could help them win a lot of the games. But um, when I think about just the overall talent of just those guys, I, I, I think it gives them a legit shot. Now, let, you know, hey, Car- Charles Barkley was, was that dude that's – Nobody's talking about Carl Malone is on the bench. Yeah. Um, you know, so that gives them another advantage. Drexler, know, Drexler for the defense, yeah. David Robinson. Drexler, who is way better than James Harden. Oh, James and after, Harden we didn't even mention uh, Chris Mullen, too. Yeah, but. but Defense yeah. liability. Yeah, he's, he's a shooter, man. So yeah. he'll probably be out. He's, and he's Christian Leitner is pouring the drinks. But I, I, I like, like what Ralph is saying, Jordan's will to win mm-hmm. but he forgot about and you guys forgot about Larry Bird too yeah Larry, Larry Bird Jack, had Bird's that. bad back Kyle said he's healthy so yeah, let, healthy. yeah let's just assume that he's healthy yeah but he's healthy. still 36 37 how, how, right. how right. however old he was at the time this ain't this ain't 86 Bird true but a lot of them are old though no, no, I mean, with the exception of Bird and Magic, you had Drexler who was in his prime. Jordan was in his prime. Uh, Malone was still in his prime. Barkley was still, you yeah. know, in his prime. The majority, this, the majority this, of this, this is before the prime. MVP season with his Phoenix. So Barkley was still there. Ewing was still in his prime. So like I said, the only older players really yeah, was Mullen, Bird, and Magic. Really, that's it. Mm-hmm. Everyone else was clearly still in their prime, in their prime years. I think I think the 2017 team got a shot. I think they got a legit shot, man. Oh yeah, really because do. because 92 the 92 team would have saw Kevin Durant and would been like, "What the hell is this? Like, what we do with this coach?" Because I mean, you got to think at that time, no one saw an athlete. Wasn't no seven footer doing that no. type of stuff. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you a seven footer, you was on the block. Exactly. Yeah, and, and LeBron is if Magic you got Johnson off the block, steroids. Throw you back on the block. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's Carl Malone. Yeah, LeBron is pretty much Carl Malone. Dak and, and Magic Dak. Johnson together. Yeah, and Matt, yeah. So, yeah, they would have been looking at LeBron and Kevin Durant and like, yo, coach, what the hell is this? What we do with this? Right. Like, what's and, up? And Jordan, Jordan can only lock down one person. That's right. right. <laughs> and you Kawhi, know, we didn't even talk about Kawhi Leonard. He's not as flash, but Kawhi gets busy. Anthony yeah. Davis gets busy. Right. Like he just gotta stay on it. But he'll he'll sprain his ankle and be out the rest of the game. <laughs> but I they got a legit shot. If you really think about this, they got just based on the way the game yeah, just skilled. the way they yeah. play the game now. Yeah. You yeah. you know what matchup what matchup really interests me, man, is a young Scottie Pippen and LeBron. That would be crazy. because Scottie prided himself on defense. Down. Nah, can nah, nah, nah. Shut them him down. Arms, man. Nah, can nah, he'll frustrate LeBron. LeBron so much, gonna man. give. There is very few people in NBA history that LeBron wouldn't give work to. I say that with all the confidence in the world. There's very few people that he won't get. Now, now would he put thirty on Scotty? I don't know, but uh, nah, man. He would. Nah. Yeah, I think he would. Really, FIFA? He would. Yeah, we talking about LeBron. Don't, don't, don't be disrespectful, Ken. Don't be disrespectful. <laughs> I think LeBron would drop Scotty off, man. 
Yeah, man. Look, yeah. I, and keep, keep in mind, Ken, LeBron, uh, Scotty's giving away what about four, 40, maybe 50 pounds. You know, he didn't, Scotty didn't have to guard nobody like that. Scotty wouldn't, he, you know, that. I got to ask you. Go ahead, go ahead. It's like, you, since y'all are older than me, who is the best player that you've seen Scotty Pippen, quote unquote, locked down? Good question. Um, he locked down everybody. Yeah, I saw him lock down. Him, him and MJ locked down everybody. They I saw him lock down. down Drexler. Yep, Drexler. Uh, okay. Any perimeter player. Yeah. Um, you know, they, 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 it, it was tough for them. Mitch Richmond. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Allen Houston back in the day. Uh, man, who, 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 who are we? Are we talking about locking down in terms of they were inefficient in scoring? Like, but like, but like, but like, they still got like 21 or 22. Or was it locked down like, oh, he held them to single digits and they were out of their entire game type? Well, no, I, I know. Like, I remember him locking down Drexler and Drexler might have got like 16, but he was like four for okay. 27, some shit like that. And Q, and Q, and Q, it was more so like, all right, fourth quarter, this guy's been hot. Pippen to guard him and he would probably go like one for nine that fourth right, quarter. Right. Like, Okay. And that's and that's when, when was, you need when it was time to put up and shut up exactly and and Pippen need to lock yeah. someone up for a quarter or for half or whatever Pippen okay. would get the job done yeah okay so you know, it, having it, having it that in mind are any of these players even in the stratosphere of a LeBron from a skill level no. uh you know um uh, let me answer nah. that not 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 from a skill level but Q me- mental toughness plays a big part right. and and and, okay. a, and a lot of these guys will mentally get in your head. And we've seen players from today mentally check out, like right. mentally. We ain't talking about the skill-wise. <laughs> Guys will mentally right. check out because of, quote-unquote, so, too much physical play. And I can right. definitely but see. but here is Scottie Kyle's Pippen. scenario, though, B. Kyle's scenario is that this is 2017 rules. Ain't no hand-checking. So you're going to have to guard LeBron straight yeah, up. That that would be the problem because, you know, I don't know that a guy like Scotty, even as great a defender as he is, when you can hand check a guy, you you could kind of guide him and direct him where you wanted him to go. I, I, you I, can't. I've seen I've seen Kawhi get in LeBron's head, and Kawhi don't even say nothing. <laughs> so we're we're talking, we're talking about Pippen, someone that's gonna be talking shit everything in his ear. Like yeah. I, I feel you, I feel you, but LeBron still put twenty five on Kawhi's head. Like, like he's yeah, still put right, right, right. But but when it was time to sh- put up a shut up, right. uh, we've seen okay. Kawhi lock lock yeah. down LeBron and win, I mean, and win yeah. MVP. LeBron could probably put up thirty, but come fourth quarter, Greg probably be like, "All right, Kawhi, it's time." And then we'll see LeBron probably attempt like maybe three shots because Kawhi been on him the whole quarter, that whole fourth quarter. Yeah. Okay. Here's here's what I'll say about that Q. Uh, and I think this probably, you know, can really sum it up. I think it's the question about LeBron is that, you know, you were asking as far as like, you know, his his skill set. If you look at LeBron's overall skill set and then you look at some of the players that we mentioned, Michael, Magic, Scotty, a lot of his game embodies all of those guys. So and, I, and I'm pretty sure that comes from, you know, being a student in the game and watching them. And I think that's what makes a guy like LeBron special because he had those guys as blueprints and he was able to tailor make his game along with his physical skills. Because, you know, LeBron, one of the most most impressive things I think I've ever seen on a basketball court is watching LeBron courtside. 
Like you, like TV really doesn't give you an idea as to how great he is and how big he is and how fast he is and how, and how skilled he is until you see him up close and personal. Um, but I think one of the things that makes him that much more impressive is that, like I said, a lot of what he has, he took from other guys. And I think that's what made, what makes him great. And I think that's what makes a lot of these players that we talked about from this all-star, these all-stars makes them great because they had these guys as blueprints. You know, my, there was the first Michael. There was the first Magic. And, and you know, and so I'm not saying that – and there's no knock on them because I love that era. I love that era of basketball. But these guys were able to pattern themselves. So hopefully that trend continues. So when the when the, when the the Anthony Davises and the Steph Currys, when those guys – and the Hardens when he, and Westbrook, when these guys retire, maybe there's some kid that's five years old right now that's watching these guys and will grow up watching these guys and maybe be able to pattern their game after them. So the game continues to evolve and transcend. But, you know, there's nobody, there was nobody in NBA, at least that I've seen. And I've been watching basketball since 1980 with LeBron's skill set and size and encompassing all of the things that he encompasses. I've never seen. And I, and to be honest, I don't know that I'll ever see that again. So that's, that's my best answer for that time for us to wrap it up man it's time for our closing thoughts man once again i want to thank everybody for tuning in uh, we can't say that enough man thanks for tuning in as you all know we do this podcast each and every week make sure that you not only listen to the podcast but pass the word and share the word with your family and friends uh so first up i'm gonna throw it to my man fifo fifo what's your uh final thoughts zeke man get your life together bro <laughs> like it, it's early it's early. Don't 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 fall into the trap. You know what I'm saying? You 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 have an illustrious career in front of you. Make sure you take care of what you got to take care of, bro. Translation: Leave them white women alone. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <sighs> oh my god, B, what about you, man? Your your final thoughts? Um. You know, we are a little bit step closer to my favorite season, my favorite season of the year, which is fall. And fall indicates we have NFL, college football, NBA, college basketball going to be all going on at one time. MLB playoffs. I mean, it's just like I love the fall season because sports wise, we get it all. And we was able to be blessed with the NBA schedule yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we looked at some marquee games and everything. I'm, 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 I'm aiming to try to. Make it back home for the uh for the home opener for the Pistons game in the new Little Caesars Arena, which is going to be shared by the Pistons and the uh, well, Detroit Red Wings, the hockey team. So it's going to be downtown. Uh, the only team in the northern states that's going to have four professional teams within two block radius from each other. So uh, it's going to be pretty exciting. Um, I'm uh, hopefully I can. If I'm, I got my dad looking at tickets. So hopefully he can try to get some tickets and I can fly up there and go to the game. Go to the home opener. At the Little Caesars Arena for to check out my pissing. So other than that, you know, I'm just happy because we 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 about to be heading to the fall season, and this is my favorite time of the year when it comes to sports. Uh, getting ready for fantasy fantasy football. Yes, sir. Yes, uh, sir. Fantasy football season. I'm ready to kick some tail. Ready to kick some tail this year. <laughs> so you know, I gotta redeem myself, man. I had a bad um fantasy basketball and baseball season, so I gotta the football gotta gotta finish off this year right with football, man. So other than that, yeah, that's my final thought. No doubt, no doubt. Ken, what about you, man? What's your final thought? Uh, yeah, my final thought is for the coon who shall not be named. Um, <laughs> you know who you are. We all know who he is. 
Um, you know, it's okay, man, to take a position. And over time, you're just wrong. But I understand sometimes it's so you just want to just stick to it, so you constantly find different ways to not give a person credit, um, and that's okay. You don't have to backtrack on on a Colin Kaepernick, but to say LeBron James is ineffective because of a tweet, and to say that LeBron James is trying to expand his base because of a tweet. When a tweet is in direct response to the horrible things that's going on that was happening in Charlottesville, it's just like the ultimate cooning. And at that point, you're trying to be a contrarian deliberately, and it's just making you look bad. We all know that LeBron don't tweet just to tweet. Right. It's with purpose. Every single time, every single time he does it, LeBron James is known for his work in the community. This is well documented. He's known for being a role model for giving back. His work speaks for himself. So when he tweets, take it at his value and stop trying to dismiss that man's words because he has proven to you and everyone else that his actions go further and he has impacted the world in far greater ways than you will ever do it. So Kuhn, who shall not be named, get out the sunken place. Yeah, it is. That is Q, man. What's your final thoughts? I'm sorry, Q, what's your final thoughts? Uh, yeah, man, I just want to give a shout out and condolences also. Shout out to everyone who was out there in Charlottesville on the counter protest side, putting in work and making sure that racism, bigotry, xenophobia, anti Semitism, and all the ills of the world are not given a, a platform. There is a difference between free speech and hate speech. Free speech and the uh, amendment that allows you to have free speech is the amendment that says the government cannot censor you for your speech. That does not require institutions, uh, places of education, businesses allow you to speak whatever you want. If it's in direct contradiction with their brand and the messages that they were founded upon. So shout out to everyone in Charlottesville, but condolences to Heather Hayer. She's a comrade of ours who um, was struck by a white nationalist in a vehicle and she uh, tragically passed away. But to honor her, we're going to continue to do this work. We're going to, we're going to continue to go out there and make sure that we protest and our voices are heard. So people like her, their deaths will never be in vain and history will absolve her and history will absolve everyone who, was out there putting in work and around the entire country in solidarity with Charlottesville. So I just want to give condolences to the family, make sure everyone knows that your voice matters in this world and don't let any coach, don't let any businessman, don't let any owner, don't let anybody, if you're an athlete, tell you that you need to stay in your place and worry about football. Tell them that they need to 
stop being a coward and speak up for things that affect the, the communities that watch this sport and speak up for the people that participate in this sport. The majority who put the money in your pockets, that community is in direct opposition with the people who are trying to cause harm to people in Charlottesville. Great point. Great point. Uh, my final thought, man, uh, big shout out to Father Time. Um, Father Time, uh, as my dad told me, and birthday shout out to my dad who's 71 today. Um, my dad told me a long time ago, man, when I was a kid, he said, man, Father Time is undefeated. And he would always say that. And I, I didn't believe him. I remember when I was 14 years old and I challenged him to a race and I beat him. And that was like the greatest thing in the world for me to beat my dad. And then as I became a father, uh, you know, I said to myself, my sons will never beat me. And, you know, you, you try to hold true to those things. Uh, let you guys in on a little story about three weeks ago, right before I was about to take my my oldest son off to college as a freshman. Uh, we went to the gym and he said, Dad, let's let's play. So we decided to play playing a little one on one. Then we decided to play a little three on three. And, um, you know, he was on one team. I was on the other team and he was guarding me and I was guarding him and I was hitting shots in his face and talking trash and everything like that. And, uh, you know, the ball swung around to me. It was game point. I had the game winning shot, took the shot, made it talk trash and, you know, roll back home talking trash, feeling good uh, until the next day. Um, my calf was hurting uh, the next day very badly. And I had never been in that kind of pain since I stopped playing football in college some 20 something years ago. And it is now three weeks later and my calf is still hurting. Um, <laughs> so Father Time catches up with this with all of us. For those of you listening that call me and Ken old heads, you two young bucks, you two will be old heads at some point, God willing. So just understand that whether or not you're me or Ken or Usain Bolt who tried to pull out the four by 100 the other day and his body shut down on him. Father time is undefeated, man. Just never forget that. And I'm still hurting. And at the end of this podcast, I'm going to put my leg on some ice. <laughs> For FIFO, for my man Q coming through, for BZ, for Ken, I'm your host, 12 Kyle. We'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for checking out another edition of Dead End Sports. We'll catch you next week. Peace. 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 Peace.